up to the book of Acts, chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. Paul speaks to the Ephesian elders. Hear then God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. I read for you now. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when, he came, when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Thus far, the reading of God's own word. Let's ask God's blessing on our study of it. Father in heaven, we are grateful for your word. Grateful for the way in which your word ministers to us at various points in our lives. Truly, God, your word has something to say to us in any and every situation, and it has something to say to us again this morning. And so we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us 
by your word. That as I preach by your grace, we would hear the voice of our shepherd and not the voice of Pastor Dirk. Yes, Lord, what is of you, may it find its way into our hearts. What is not of you, may it be quickly forgotten. May your church be built. May your people be blessed. May the whole earth be full of your glory. For Jesus' sake, amen. Congregation, sometimes pastors leave. The history of this church makes that clear. 18 pastors before me have come and gone. The history of the Christian church makes that clear, right? 2,000 years of church history. You find any church that was around for any amount of time, and there too you will see that sometimes pastors leave. Of course, Scripture also makes this clear. One place it does is here in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. Here the Apostle Paul bids farewell to the elders of the church in Ephesus, a church which he pastored for three years. It was a beloved congregation of the Apostle Paul. If I was a betting man, I said this before, I'd say that the Ephesian church was the Apostle Paul's favorite church that he pastored. He loved them deeply, and they loved him deeply in return. But here in Acts chapter 20, he bids farewell to this congregation. And as he does, we recognize exactly what I said, that sometimes pastors leave. It's just the way things are in Christ's church. This precedent is set before us already in Holy Scripture. Sometimes pastors leave. But when they do, when they do, may their testimony make us grateful. Look at the testimony the Apostle Paul gives here in his farewell. He, he first points to his life and he says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. He then points to his service saying, I serve the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plot of the Jews. He then points to his preaching and teaching saying, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then again in verse 26, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Then Paul points to the example he set, right? Down in verse 33, he says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. I worked for myself and I've shown you in all things that we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, who said it is more blessed to give than receive. Right? This is the testimony the Apostle Paul makes at his departure. And what a blessed testimony it is, right? Paul here makes it plain that while he ministered among these people, he lived a life above reproach. And he preached God's word thoroughly, and he preached God's word unashamedly. He makes it plain that while he ministered among these people, he did so in a manner worthy of his calling as a servant of Jesus Christ. 
And what can we say but what a blessing such ministers are to the church? Right? When pastors like this leave, God's people may be sad, but they ought to be grateful for the blessing these men were. Beloved, I've been with you for nine years. In that time, you've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, and the really, really ugly, right? Certainly, I'm a sinner in need of grace as much as you are, and you know that. But I do hope and I do pray that by God's grace, you might see at least something, a small glimmer even of, of Paul's testimony in the way that I lived and ministered among you. I do hope and pray that by God's grace, I've set at least a small example of what it looks like to, to serve Christ and to minister with humility and with tears. I do know this, shortly after I was ordained, a mentor and a friend said to me, you know, Dirk, there's going to be a time when you leave Prosper Church and when you do, make sure you can say this, I did not shrink from proclaiming to you the whole counsel of God. Beloved, I will stand up here and say that by God's grace, that I did not shrink from proclaiming to you the whole counsel of God. I did not shy away from difficult truths I heard about, the ones that I spoke about sometimes. And I hope and pray you've recognized that. And I hope and pray you can praise God for that. Because only God can give a pastor courage to do such things. I am a coward by nature. But the fact that I can stand up here and never have trouble saying what God's Word says is a gift from God. And I hope that you can thank him for that. And I can be thankful for my friend for putting that out there for me. But I did not shrink from proclaiming to you the whole counsel of God. Sometimes pastors leave. But when they do, may the reason bring us comfort. Paul gives his reason for leaving the Ephesians in verse 22, he says, And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit. Right? With these words, Paul makes it clear that he is on God's errand. He goes where the Lord calls him to go and where the Lord directs him to go. He is leaving the Ephesians whom he loves and he is going to Jerusalem because he is constrained by the Spirit. Paul's not doing what he wants. He's doing what God wants. The Holy Spirit has, in some very real but mysterious way, made it plain to Paul that he must go to Jerusalem. That's the only reason he's going. I mean, Paul has no earthly reason to go to Jerusalem, right? Look, look what he says in verse 22, being following. He says, I don't know what will happen to me there. Other than that, I'll be persecuted. Right? He has no reason to want to go to Jerusalem. So why is he going to Jerusalem? Because God's told him to go. He's constrained by the Spirit. You know, sometimes pastors leave because they and their congregations don't get along. 
Other times pastors leave because they're lured by the promise of more money and more people and more fame. Other times pastors leave because they're mad or upset about something. They think the grass is greener in another place. And yet still other times, pastors leave simply because they're constrained by the Spirit. Past winter, I began to feel in my heart that my time here was drawing to a close. There was a strange sense of finality, a strange sense of completion that washed over me. There was no real explanation for this, but it persisted and it persisted, right? Of course, at the time, we couldn't leave. We were working through this adoption. We couldn't leave the county. At least our residents couldn't leave the county. And so it was sort of this strange uh, juxtaposition where we, we felt that we were done and yet the door wasn't open for us to leave. Um, of course, the adoption was finalized in May, and then about a week after the adoption was finalized, I was riding down Prosper Road, and uh, I was right in front of Prosper Cemetery, and I'm going to tell you, if I can remember where I was when I tell you a story, that generally is significant, right? I, I remember where I was when I was converted, or at least when I really came to understand the gospel. I remember where I was when God told me I had to go to seminary, and I remember where I was when he told me I need to leave, and I was right in front of Pro- I was right in front of Prosper Cemetery, and it just hit me. I'm done with you here. Your time's over. I have something else for you. All right. I was picking up my kids from school a couple weeks later, and they were saying goodbye. And I knew in my heart they wouldn't be back in the fall. We received a call from North Street, and um, I was on vacation. I was fishing in the UP. They called me, said, hey, we voted to call you, and I knew right then and there that I was going to go. Took two weeks, prayed about it, fasted, prayed about it, did everything you're supposed to do. Came home one day and said to Erin, I want to stay. And she goes, no. No, that's not right. And I knew it. And I knew it. The end of the week came. There was only one answer that seemed good. And it was to accept the call. And so we did. For the last six weeks, I've grieved our impending departure. My wife will tell you that I've been impossible to live with. (laughs) Impossible. I don't want to leave. I'll say that again. I don't want to leave. I've threatened to take back my decision, but I haven't. Why not? Because God has given me grace to see that what I want in this matter is not what He wants in this matter. And so people might say, well, Pastor Eric's leaving because there's something wrong. Uh, Because in the business world, that's how it is, right? You're something wrong. Someone's going to pay you more money or whatever. That's not the case. We live very comfortably here. They'll think someone made Pastor Dirk mad, and I would say, listen, these people make me mad for nine years. That's nothing new. (laughs) In the end, and this is where I've I've landed, right? I've tried to explain it from an earthly perspective. Perspective. Why am I leaving? I mean, there's 
50 kids up here who I love, and you know, I can go hunting and fishing whenever I want. It's, it's amazing. And then not really, but um, I mean, I can't really do it whenever I want. But um, why am I leaving? And this is, this, is, this, is, this is the only reason. I'm constrained by the Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit could get me away from here. Only the Spirit could make me want to leave this comfy, cozy part of the world. Of course, if God has something else for me, right, he's got something else for you, that's the way it works. There's two sides to this coin. And so I do hope in my telling you that you do find some measure of comfort, right? He does call me away. Somebody else, even now, is being constrained by the Spirit to come here and to serve you and to give you that which you need. And I hope you believe that, right? There's two sides to all of that. I do want to make one point before we move on. It's kind of a disaster of a sermon, but you'll forgive me. Verse 24, clear that the reason he's willing to follow the Spirit into the unknown and even into suffering is because he does not account his life of any value or precious to itself, but he's simply concerned with honoring God and proclaiming the gospel. And I think there's a good lesson right there, not just for ministers, right, but for all of us. Do we value our lives more than honoring God, right? Are we more interested in maintaining our comfort and ease than we are in going where God has called us to? That's something we always have to war against, right? Why would you want to leave this comfy, cozy part of the world? I don't, but I know it's better to honor God than to be concerned with my own life, and so we go. Sometimes pastors leave, but when they do, Having a microphone on during this is kind of a disaster too, by the way. Sometimes pastors leave, but when they do, may Paul's charge be taken to heart. We see Paul's charge given to the Ephesian elders in verses 28 through 31. There Paul speaks to the leaders of the Ephesian church, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among yourselves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Paul here in this charge makes it clear that he's not left the Ephesians as orphans. He's not left them to fend for themselves. No, the elders are to pick up the slack in Paul's absence. The elders are to to watch over the flock. The elders are to fend off the wolves. The elders are to remain alert and vigilant as they care for the well-being of the church. And notice the reason, the incentive, we might say, that Paul gives the Ephesian elders for being so concerned with the well-being of the church. It's because he says the people, elders, that you are to watch over are nothing less than the people whom God obtained with his own blood. The people whom you're to watch over are nothing less than the people for whom Christ died. And elders, I want to say and ask right now, do you hear this charge, right? Do you hear it personally? Do you hear it experientially? Do you hear the Apostle Paul speaking to you? You need to hear it, elders. 
Your pastor is leaving. You need to pick up the slack. You need to watch over the flock. You need to bear the responsibility even more than before of caring for those whom Christ died. After your pastor leaves, wolves may come in and seek to lead people astray. Men might arise speaking twisted things. Will you drive them away? Will you put them in your place? Will you maintain orthodoxy? Will you speak with God's word? Elders, you have to. You have to take Paul's charge to heart. Sometimes pastors leave, but but praise God, right, when Paul's charge to elders is taken to heart, and when elders do step up, and when elders do defend orthodoxy, and when elders do say, no, we're not just going to let everything go. We're going to hold people to the truth. Dear congregation, pray for your elders. Encourage your elders. Remind your elders often of this charge here in Acts 20. Remind them to pay careful attention to themselves and to all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made them overseers. Remind them to care well for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. All right, your pastor might be gone, but you're not left as orphans. You still have leaders. You still have shepherds. You still have people watching over you and taking care for you. Sometimes pastors leave. But when they do, may Paul's commendation bring us hope. We see Paul's commendation in verse 32. He says, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are being sanctified. You know, from from an earthly perspective, I guess we could say that, that our church has done well in my time here. Whole sanctuaries are fun. (laughs) We've grown some numerically. We've grown some spiritually. We've got lots of children. We've made budget. We've expanded our parking lot. Had conversations about expanding our facilities and our building. Some have said, and I guess in my weak moments, maybe even I believe this, Pastor Dirk, if you leave, it'll all come undone. But the reality is we, we all must disagree with such a statement because God's word is the glue that holds us together. God's word is what builds us up and continues to build the church. Remember what we've talked about time and again. God's word does God's work. We see that right here in our text, right? Paul says that the word of God is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are being sanctified. Paul says it right here. The theme we've pounded for nine years. God's word does God's work. You want to save the lost? God's word will cause the lost to be found. You want to build one another up in your most holy faith? God's word will cause you to build one another up in your most holy faith. God's Word is what teaches, rebukes, corrects, and trains in all righteousness, okay? God's Word is the glue that holds this together. What I have done is simply preach and teach God's Word in an expositional, experiential, Christ-centered fashion, and voila! It's almost, it's, it's almost like, you know, uh, uh, magical. Not quite. We're told that's what's going to happen. 
Look around at other churches with pastors who do the same. You're going to see similar results, okay? You must know it's not me that's made the church grow. It's the Word of God that made the church grow. It's the Word of God that will continue to make the church grow. It's the message of the gospel that builds the church, not the man who proclaims it. And so stick to the Word, stay with the Word, Look for a pastor who preaches the word in an expositional manner, verse by verse, and in a Christ-centered manner, always pointing you back to the finished work of Jesus, in an experiential manner, speaking not just to your head, but also to your heart. Find a pastor who does that, who checks off those three categories. You will be completely, absolutely, totally fine. And I will tell you this. Sometimes I think, you know, maybe if your whole life you've, maybe I'm different than the pastors you've had your whole life, right? You've never had a pastor who preached in this way. Well, part of the reason is because it's not what they teach at Calvin Seminary, and so you keep getting pastors out of Calvin Seminary, you're going to keep seeing them preach not in this way, right? But there are lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of pastors who preach exactly like me. I learned it from others, okay? Find a pastor who preaches expositionally, goes verse by verse to the text, experientially, speaks not just to the head but also to the heart, And in a Christ-centered fashion, and I will guarantee you will be completely, totally fine. Your church will continue to roll. It'll continue to be blessed. It'll continue to be built, okay? It's God's Word that does God's work. And so like Paul, I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up and which is able to give you an inheritance amongst those who are being sanctified. All right, stick to the word, and you'll be fine. Sometimes pastors leave, but when they do, may his emotion be well understood. Look at verses 36 through 38. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. All right, this is an emotional farewell between Paul and the Ephesian elders. There's weeping. What what does all this emotion show when you read it? Well, it shows that Paul loved these people, and they loved him. You remember when Jesus was standing by the tomb of Lazarus, and we have that shortest verse in the Bible, right? Jesus wept. What do people say after that? They say, see how Jesus loved him. Tears are born out of love. You've seen me get emotional. You see my family get emotional. I hope and pray our emotion is well understood by you. We love you. And our emotion is evidence of that. We don't just say it. It's real. And truthfully, when a pastor leaves, would we, would we really want it any other way? I mean, I heard it said this week, you know, when a pastor leaves, there are either cheers 
jeers, or tears. They they cheer as he leaves because they're so happy he's gone. Unfortunately, we can think of examples. (laughs) They jeer him as he leaves because they despised him. I can think of one example. It's from a megachurch. Or they shed tears as he leaves because they loved him and because he loved them. As painful as it is, as hard as it is, the tears are the best for both the congregation and the pastor. There have been lots of tears from you and from us. You have loved us well, and we love you in return. And the thought of leaving brings us great sorrow. And yet, as uh, the great poet Garth Brooks has said, I could have missed the pain, (laughs) but I'd have had to miss the dance. And by God's grace, the dance was good. It was full of incredible joy. It was full of unfathomable sorrow. (laughs) But by God's grace, the dance was good. I want you to know that you'll forever have a part of us. And you've taught me how to be a pastor. You've put up with my baloney. You've taught my children what it means to belong to the family of God. Now, if you ever noticed it, but Hudson's middle name is David. That's, that's not a coincidence. You'll forever have a part of us. We'll forever look back fondly on our time here. Forever miss dynamite at 5 a.m. on the 4th of July. <laughs> Phone calls telling me there's a giant buck in the back of the parking lot wrestling pigs at the 4-H auction and getting yelled at by Dave Hypes, (laughs) renegade choirs on Easter and Christmas, walking over to church on Sunday morning and seeing all the stars, holiday crowds that exceeded our building capacity, and meatballs at Carlene's dinner table, Uh, the best steaks ever. We'd bring them on vacations and people like, where do you get these things? Your attentiveness to God's word. Man, I love your attentiveness to God's word. I've preached in a lot of churches. There are very few that are are as attentive and listening to preaching as you. I cite a passage of scripture, your heads go down, you find it in your Bible. I've preached for almost 50 minutes before. And no one's ever complained, at least not to me. I will miss that. In my weak moments, I think it unfair that God would take us away from here. But my faith knows better than that. Beloved, sometimes pastors leave. But when they do, may their emotion be well understood. I love you. We love you. Let's pray. Our great and awesome God, you tell us in your word that there's a time to plant and a time to uproot. I guess we often apply that to 
agriculture and farming, but no doubt it applies also to our own lives. For even in our lives, there are times to plant and times to uproot. But Lord, you are the one who makes all things beautiful in its time, and you are the one we trust this morning. We love you. We thank you for your grace in Christ. It's his name we pray. Amen. sit down. He meant you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, nine years ago, uh, Carlene Dick handed me a scrap of paper that said Dirk Coochie on it. 
And she said that she had been told that this was a candidate we might want to hear preach. Uh, some contact was made. There was some back and forth before we could get a date. But after that first sermon, uh, what occurred was the shortest vacancy and the fastest call in our history. Um, and, you know, there was no search committee, no church profile. We even butted heads with classes over the speed at which this was occurring. But our Lord had a plan. He had a plan for this family. He had a plan for us. He knew what we needed and when we needed it. Pastor Dirk, we want to thank you for the nine years you spent with us, for being who you are, for your love of the word, for preaching it Sunday after Sunday. And yes, you did preach the whole counsel of God. Uh, we want to thank you for helping us take a look at ourselves, for pushing us in new directions, and the church has grown. We want to thank you for sharing in our joys and standing by us in our pain. All these things are woven into the very fabric of who we are as a people of God, and you will be missed. Will you give him a hand, please? <laughs> elders and the deacons to make their way forward here for prayer. Uh, Dirk and Aaron, the very same God that brought you here uh, and had a plan, the God of time and seasons and beginnings and ends, has called you to a new place. He's called you to a new church, a new congregation, a new community in the very best way we know how to. Thank you for your time here to wish you a smooth transition, a fruitful ministry, and that your family will flourish is to lift you up in prayer. Let's gather around this man and this family. Uh, yeah, the Lord does have a plan. He, his plan was to bring Pastor Dirk and his family here. And Pastor talked about the word this morning. And uh, he talked about the Spirit, and the Word and the Spirit are why we don't need to fear, because uh, they are ours, each Christians. They are ours. And when we got that message as elders that um, Pastor Dirk had a call, Bob and I were at Synod. I've never been around a hundred pastors before. But that's where I was right then. And the God Spirit said to me, okay, Mark, look around a little bit at some of these pastors. So we did. So we'll be taken care of. We have some ideas. But right now, we want to just say a heartfelt prayer of thanks. Dear Lord in heaven, we thank you for who you are. When we think about things, Lord, you're vast. Who else could plumb the whole world, so to speak, with rivers and streams and creeks and oceans and the Great Lakes, to just name one amazing facet of your creation? 
But Lord, you are also tender. Your very own son said this is how you should pray, and he started with our father. And that's who you are, Lord. You are our spiritual father. And you brought us into your family, completely forgiven through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. We're so thankful for that, dear Lord. We're thankful for Dirk and Aaron and Adrian, Brooks, Carson, Case, and little Hudson David. Lord, we pray for each one of them that you'll hold them all in the palm of your hand. And we pray, Lord, that as they go to their next charge, that they would be as much a blessing to them as what they were to us. A quarter of this young man's life, maybe a quarter of his ministry, was spent with us here at Prosper Church. And Lord, we are grateful. You looked after us. It was special, Lord, to come and hear that expositional preaching every week. And we thank you for Pastor's diligence, how he worked, Lord, to bring that message faithfully to us. So bless us, Lord, as we go forward. Let us enjoy with a, with a glisten in our eye, albeit, but enjoy our time of fellowship here for this noon meal together. So we pray this in our wonderful Master and Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. What? Oh, oh i got to give the benediction. <laughs> What's going on right now? <laughs> uh, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace.